live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept. I'm indifferent to him, whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting Milwaukee for the next five years. If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five, I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is, is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six, you can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning game six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Brew Hoop Podcast. Not joining us today is Adam Paris, who has become who's just doing good husband things as he should. And I am back. I am Kyle Carr. After sending a short, sweet message the following week, uh, being at game three and not getting home until damn near midnight. Um, yeah, I'm back and it's good. It's good to be joined by Riley Feldman. Riley, how's it going? Uh, I'm so tired of only getting four to five hours of sleep uh, every three days this entire playoff run. I, I'm doing, <laughs> thank goodness they're winning. That makes everything feel a lot better. And you sounded surprisingly coherent coming off that game three victory. Uh, we didn't really have too much of a chance to talk about that, but how was the experience being at the finals? Because I know it was a week ago, but you, you're the only one of us, Gabe has been in the arena, but you're the only podcast host that has been in an NBA finals game. So what was, what was it like? It was just weird. Like going into that day, it was kind of like, all right, because I was at a wedding in lacrosse on Friday and Saturday. So like that whole time, I'm just at this wedding and I woke up Saturday morning, I was, Sunday morning. I was like, oh, man, I feel rough as one does after a wedding for their best friend that they are groomsmen in. <laughs> so went to a quick trip, chugged the Pedialyte. That that helped. As we were getting there, we stopped at my parents' house right before to eat dinner. And I'm pretty sure I only ate like half half my food because I was just so nervous. But mm-hmm. yeah, we we got to Milwaukee around six-ish. So like it was pretty like chill, like over by the MATC parking ramp. So like that was pretty chill. And as we were starting to walk and get close to the arena, it just got louder and louder mm-hmm. and louder. And then we're waiting in line to get into the arena. That probably took the most time out of anything. Yeah. Um, the Deer District was already pretty packed it was it was packed i i think it's kind of like a Summerfest free stage kind of mm-hmm. like crowd yeah. where yeah. i am a way too old to be there <laughs> and <laughs> b it definitely is like everyone is just having a good time so got into the arena um it was loud it yeah. was loud like we brought headphones for both the kids and i i feel as though that probably wasn't enough Mm-hmm. for them like they probably should have bought like an extra like set of earplugs for sterling but it, it was a good time the first half was i mean people got loud but this third quarter is when it really just erupted and it was that pat connected three at the end of the third quarter i i legitimately think that's the loudest i've heard any arena like it was louder than even like the bradley center at its peak so any concerns that the crowd doesn't get loud or it doesn't sound that loud in the broadcast, I can effectively put to bed. Like when mm-hmm. it's when good things are happening, it is loud. It is very loud, and it was it was an awesome time. Like leaving uh, the arena, walking around the Deer District, trying to get back to our <laughs> car <laughs> is just like every like it was just a party in the streets, and I can yeah. only imagine it was more of a party after Game Five and. It's, 
like after game four and especially game five. So no, it was a good time. And I, I was exhausted. Like it may sound like I was very coherent, but I was rotting on fumes by the time mm-hmm. I got home. Cause it was also like 12, like 1230 in the morning, one o'clock. So he- People could tell that you were you were tired because you didn't have a chance to call anybody a bum. Now you said you got close on Jeff T because Jeff T was out there getting his cardio up, but you you avoided dropping in and calling anybody a bum. We'll see if you're able to keep the streak alive on this week's podcast. Well, we'll see. Yeah, it was definitely a. I I tried thinking of the Suns. I mean, Frank Kaminsky probably when in hindsight, but like his bumness. <laughs> is what helped spark Milwaukee's third quarter mm-hmm. run in game three. So I was like, you know what? You can be a bomb. That's fine. You have this op- You have this title. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they were able to win for your finals game. That would be what, what a downer it would have been to spend all that money and then oh, they lose. God. But you get you spend the money and you get to win. So that's, that's what ultimately matters at the end of the day. Yep. And I was going to say, I'm laughing because both my kids got to go and they're going to talk to their friends. And they're not going to remember a damn thing about this game. Mm-hmm. Not, and I'll just be like, you were there. You were at... Oh, fine. NBA Finals victory. That, that's an all-time flex on the other kids. Oh, be yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I was there. I was there. I helped spark game three, which uh, was necessary because it looked there. I know the first two games away from it's obviously away games. Looks a little kind of touch and go. And then to rattle off three straight wins, uh, pretty good from the Bucks, all things yeah. considered. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the baby is only, well, now he's eight weeks old, but when he went to the game, he was seven weeks old. He's already accomplished more in my life. So that is the reality I'm dealing with. But speaking of game four, Milwaukee wins game four, 109-103. Giannis had 26 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists on 11 and 19 for the field. Chris had 40 points thanks to 15 and 33 shooting, but he was primarily the guy in the fourth quarter hitting a bunch of free throws as well. Drew Holiday offensively struggled. Uh, 13 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds, 4 of 20 for the floor. Milwaukee, stop me if you've heard this before, struggled from the three-point shot. Only going 9 of 31 for 29%. It was rough. Meanwhile, Phoenix, Chris Paul had just as much of a struggle thanks to Drew Holiday. 10.7 is 5 turnovers. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, didn't really wasn't that aggressive. He only had 15 points, eight rebounds. And the star was like the big story was go the majority of the match. Devin Booker could not miss from the mid range, 17 to 28, which landed him 42 points. Um, but you know, Milwaukee wins the game, and I think that's kind of the big thing was going into the fourth quarter, they're down six and turned it around to steal a victory. Obviously, the big play is the block, uh, the second block. It's funny because it's like Giannis had the game one block. And now mm-hmm. it's like that's completely forgotten because of this block on DeAndre and stopping a lob to him. Riley, what were your thoughts on game four? I know it's been a couple days and it feels like it's five months ago, but. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, as we were tuning up here, I was like, I don't even remember what happened in game four. I just remember that we won and Chris scored a whole bunch of points. Uh, yeah, it's like I should be used to us letting the other team do hero ball or like hero ball being like instant heartburn for me because we survived the KD hero ball. We survived up until Trey Young got hurt, but he he was hero balling in the first couple of games of the Hawks series. And now we come back down. I'm like, Oh no, not another one of these dudes doing <laughs> just hitting every shot. And it was so annoying because every single game so far in this series, it was the De- uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul garbage jumper show. And in this one, it was just the 
Devin Booker, but it, it just felt like he, I know it says he went, uh, how, what did he shoot from the floor again? What did you say? They 17 to 28. It felt like he shot 29 to 28 from the floor. Like he didn't miss and also made an extra basket that he never even took. Uh, frustrating, but I think once things started rolling and the Bucks kept responding at least a little bit here or there with Booker, um, I guess I was somewhat confident because we've seen this team, as long as they're disciplined, survive um, multiple hero ball efforts and the fact that they were able to maintain discipline and Giannis with that block, like you said. That's the kind of stuff that's the difference between winning and losing. The ability of he shadows Devin Booker as Devin Booker's trying to drive, or, or was it Chris Paul? Who was it Booker who did the or tried to do the lob to Aiden? Yeah, that was, like, it was Booker. Yeah. yeah. So he so Booker's doing everything. He tries to get the lob over to Aiden and Giannis shades, turns, identifies the arc of the pass, and then goes right up for the block. I mean, it's it's stuff like that that we aren't going to be able to right now in the moment appreciate Giannis to his fullest. It's gonna need a little bit of time after the series, but it's just been when the team has needed plays to win. In the past, they'd be like, well, you know, the Bucks they don't execute all that well, or their defense is kind of blah, or whatever it is. And in game four and in game five, and especially at the end of game four, executed. Gets the block, get the basket. Chris is getting free throws at the end of the game. He's drawing fouls, things like that, to help ice the game. So it was just, what I remember most is they executed, and that's been a theme throughout the playoffs and in the series as well, is things get tight, they execute, which is what matters most. Yeah, I was going to say, this team has shown, we'll talk about it in Game 5 as well, but the, the resiliency of this team is something I have not seen from a Milwaukee Bucks team ever in my life, and it has been on full display this whole playoff run. You know, you face the Heat, you're struggling Game 1, you still find a way to win, and then you blow the doors off of the rest. The Nets, you look absolute dead. As you've said, they've stared death and death has blinked, but the, after Game 2 against the Nets and after Game 5, you think, okay, this is probably where it ends. And then they find a way. And then after game one, they find a way. And after Giannis gets hurt, they find a way. And now, even in the first two games, you can at least sit here and be like, okay, well, Milwaukee's doing fine. Milwaukee's not playing that poorly. It's just, yeah, garbage. Just a bunch of hero ball. Every shot goes in from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And then in this game two, it was just Phoenix literally just shot 50% from three. Mm-hmm. You get to game three, and they think, and I mean, they pretty much race out in the second half and get the comfortable win. But game four was kind of a they could not do anything of value on offense for the whole first half. And it was one of those where somehow the game was tied at halftime. That seemed like a modern miracle. Again, with how bad they look, especially in the first quarter, only scoring 20 points. And it helped that the Suns were also not shooting the ball well, besides Devin Booker. And you go down six, going to the fourth, and you're like, okay, this is probably when, like, the end, this is like the Bucks need to hit shots. Like, they're not shooting the ball well. They're absolutely just every time you look, Devin Book is hitting a mid range or getting some kind of basket that just breaks it. And then you kind of look at that fourth corner. It's like, all right, well, you get, you know, you find a way to get a couple baskets. Pat Collins hits the three to start, and it's like, all right, that's good. You get the three. And then you kind of keep trimming the lead. But then Phoenix always finds a way to get, like, a basket right before it. And it wasn't until, like, that second half of the quarter when Devin Booker was in foul trouble. When that, I was like, well, he's like, okay, we're going to we're gonna go win this game. And considering Devin Booker should have had seven or eight fouls in that game as well, um, I just, 
the defense was always good on Booker. Like there, you couldn't complain about the defense Milwaukee was playing. It's just that he was hitting everything. It it happens. So shout out to Mike Budenholzer for not panicking and trying like because like in game one when they were hitting everything he tried switching things up. But like first they did switching, then they tried like a zone drop, then he tried you know kind of the half and half, and it, none of that was working in game one. While in game four, game four he was like, all right, we're gonna stick with this. It's fine. You we I'd rather you contest a good shot that Devin Booker somehow makes than allow Jay Crowder or Cameron Payne or Cam Johnson or McCall Bridges to shoot a three that, you know, I, I, I can live with that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why Milwaukee's been able to stay in these games is because in you can live with the mid-range shot if you're not allowing these guys that have shot the ball really well to continue shooting the ball well. I think Phoenix still shot like 30% from three, which feels weird because it should, it feels so much higher, but I don't know. I, I think there's something about how Milwaukee defended. And I mean, they forced 17 Phoenix turnovers as well, which is another reason why mm-hmm. they stayed in that game. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I totally forgot about the stupid foul situation. I should have, I should be more mad about that. They're, the Suns are lucky. I'm coming in off of four hours of sleep and recording on Sunday morning right now. Uh, what did I say against like after the Hawks series, the Bucks have faced every single, like the worst aspect of modern basketball and they've survived it so far in this one as well, hero ball. And then the refs swallowing the whistle because they don't want to foul out the, like one of the stars for the other team. Oh how ridiculous, how ridiculous is that? I think it, what a condemnation on the state of this league and on the state of the refing in this league that we go into there I mean, it's the Devin Booker show only. To be fair, when Devin Booker, I think, was it? I think it was the fourth quarter. He sat, yeah, because they only played seven minutes. So he sat for quite a bit because he had the five personal fouls. And so the Bucks, even then, they couldn't really go on a run. They were st- <laughs> still a little touch and go. So I was like, okay, well, even if we foul Booker out, it probably won't be good. But the the fact that it was so egregious that they they get into the fast break. It's like a three on one on Devin Booker and Drew Holiday makes the right decision to say, and Drew was awful from the floor all game long, but he makes the decision. I'm just going to go into this guy. He's got five fouls. He's literally all that Phoenix has right now. Devin Booker wraps one, not just one, but both arms around Drew and they don't call the foul on him because Giannis like gets the put back. And is like, Oh, it doesn't matter either way. Disgusting from the refing disgusting if we win this title adam silver needs to send a personalized message to every bucks fan and say i'm sorry that happened and we're gonna work on it because that was ridiculous and literally in the broadcast mike breen's like oh devin booker with the foul they didn't call it he like freaks out <laughs> like the even the, everyone uh-huh, everyone yeah. was like how was that not a foul like even people that don't follow basketball like closely saw it as like no that's definitely a foul <laughs> And and then after the game, all these Suns fans bird boxing me like I'm crazy. Like, oh, well, you know, Giannis, he gets away with a lot. He had eight free throw attempts. And <laughs> just everything about it was very stupid. I'm so glad we won. Have we lost that? I mean, Ooh. you know, I can't I can't I can't account for what I would say, but what matters is that we won. And it, it, 
there's been so many times in this series. So DeAndre Ayton in game three, yep. he has quite a bit of foul trouble. And people are like, oh, this is so ridiculous. Hey, man, he's not keeping his arm straight up. You got to call him for the foul. And it's not our fault that Monty Williams then goes out, somebody gets in foul trouble, and he forgets that guy is on the bench for like an 11 to 12-minute stretch. That's not our problem. You have to put the guy back out there and trust him. If Monty doesn't trust them, it, that's the one. That's one thing that Mike Budenholzer has been really great on this whole playoff run. If a guy gets in foul trouble, pull him for a little bit. Uh, we saw it in Game Five. Uh, Drew gets in a little bit of foul trouble in the first quarter. I mean, we play a lot of Jeff Teague minutes from there, and it's looking a little, which is part of what contributes to the bad first quarter. But then Drew goes out, and I think he. I mean, probably a couple stretches where he's out, but he plays the whole rest of the game. Even after there's those. Uh, first two early fouls, P.J. Tucker, similar situation. He's got a tough assignment trying to guard Booker to start games. He's racking up the fouls, but it's not a situation where P.J. gets four fouls with like 10 minutes left in the game, and Budenholzer says, we're just not going to play this guy anymore. Takes him out for like two to three minutes, lets him cool down, puts him right back out there, and let's just make it work. So that that's part of the difference, I think. We can talk about Budenholzer in a more general sense, but small stuff like that as a coach has been really big to help push the Bucks, and it was in game four as well. Yeah, it was... I mean, I get that you don't want to foul out your guy too, too early, but that's when you make the adjustment and have him guard. You know, when P.J. Tucker's out there, have Devin Booker just on P.J. Tucker. When Pat Connaughton's out there, have like have him not on, you know, a Drew, Giannis, or even Chris, you know, guys that are going to find at least attack the rim, find a way to get to the line. Like, P.J. Tucker's literally there just shooting corner threes. And when he's not doing that, he's faking it out and driving, throwing floaters, which is somehow working. Pat Connaughton, I mean, yeah, he's probably just going to hit a three in your face at this rate. But you can make the adjustment that you need to. And I think I think it was what the problem wasn't necessarily Monty letting Devin Booker sit as long as he did. It's when he decided to bring him back in. Because when Milwaukee was starting the show signs of life, that's when he should have put him in and said, okay, you know what? You're going the rest of this game. If you foul out, that's why we have Chris. But, like, we have Chris Paul, like, that I guess that's in my head. It's like you still have Chris Paul to at least be the primary ball handler to go out and make plays. And I mean, Chris has struggled because of Drew Holiday pounding him, mm-hmm. but it's still one of those where you kind of just think you just ride with it. And I mean, I'm okay with that turning out the way it did. I, I still don't understand how Devin Booker has gotten this is a second, like two games now that he's just wrapped his arms around a defender and no fouls when called, which all right, fine, whatever. But it, it it's funny because those two points that he eventually scores, I think right after um, the layup that Giannis gets, then he goes down and gets a basket on the other end. It's like, that's another two points that probably shouldn't have counted. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he also throws a lot that allows Giannis to block. And so like, thanks for at I least know. giving us like, uh, you know, highlight yeah. play. But uh, it, let's... What what matters is that we won, so that we we the refing is a part of it, but it didn't like dominate in the most in the worst way possible, which is again very important for like the wider narrative around this finals. Yeah, like I'm not normally a blame the ref guy, but after game one and the free throw disparity, see, I was like, okay, that's weird. And then after that play, I was like, okay, this is if the Bucks lose, I'm I'm gonna have some words. But let's talk about Chris and his performance. I feel like he had the quietest forty point finals game ever. And part of that is because a lot of those were free throws at the end, but he's really just, I feel like he's just picked moments in the second half of games and decided, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get every basket possible. Yeah. He goes eight of 18 from the floor in the second half, five and nine in the fourth quarter when it matters most, obviously hits all four free throws. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to say about this guy? Tough Shot Express, he's got it. Need a basket, Chris has got you. Uh, somebody switches on to him and he's too small. It, he's got him. Part of it is like so much of it, it the best part about this uh, finals run is that so many of what these guys are doing is what we've seen them do all season long. And so Chris Middleton, he gets in a flow. He's like at the elbow and he's just hitting jumpers and he he's doing spin moves. He's not dribbling so much where it's like he easily gets uh, pickpocketed. He doesn't turn it over in the fourth quarter, for example. And he had a lot of the ball in his hands and what, what he needed to do was make a lot of shots because that's what we pay him a bajillion dollars to do. And he made a lot of shots when we needed him to. And it, it, it takes the pressure off now. <laughs> now. Drew did everything he could with his one of eight from the floor in the fourth quarter to negate what Chris is doing. But when things have gotten tight, and even in game five, same situation, things get a little bit tight. In the past, I'd be like, I don't know if Chris is going to be the guy who is going to take the shots or if he's going to defer or whatever. Throughout this playoff run, he has been the guy who has taken it and he's gotten the shots up. And I, I think part of that might be a self-belief. I think as a streaky shooter, so much of it is confidence in himself um, to be able to play well in the tightest moments. And if that's the case, if it's years of experience and how well he's played on this playoff run at times that have helped push him, I don't care what it is, what sports psychologists help talk to him to get him into this mode. But what matters is he's hitting all the tough shots and he's not being tasked with like that difficult of assignments on the defensive end. I think he gets like McCall Bridges for the most part. And McCall Bridges has nothing for Chris on the defensive end either. Chris just like bodies him and throws him off and he gets the space immediately. So credit on both ends. He's a the Bucks are able to reserve Chris. Just Bridges just takes threes anyhow for the most part. So it's like, okay, go stand in the corner with Bridges. And then the other end, just manipulate the guy. You know, you've done it all season long. You've done it for years in your career. Just manipulate the guy, create a little space for yourself, get the shot up. He did that over and over again. And yes, it felt like a quiet 40 points, um, probably because there was no Atlanta Hawks-esque stretch where he goes like 10 of 10 of whatever, 10 from the floor to put us and just win the game outright. Um, but at the end, when we need somebody to hit the free throws, hit the tough shots, Chris is the one who was there for it. So. Yeah, I think that stretches back to even last year in the bubble where Giannis gets hurt and then Chris pretty much carries the load and wins Milwaukee game four. And then he goes and beats the Heat on that game when he shot a game one. I think ever since then, it's like, yes, this is why we pay a lot of money. You need to go out and take these shots because the alternative was always Giannis and Eric Bledsoe barreling into the rim, most of the time unsuccessfully. Brooke Lopez bombing 30-footers, which was unsuccessful or hoping that some corpse of Kyle Korver and George Hill and Marvin Williams could do something. It was like, no, you need to be that guy to take these shots. Like, I don't care if, you know, you struggle. Like, it's one thing if you just brick everything. Like, Drew at least realizes, okay, maybe maybe instead of taking, you know, these tough mid-range shots, I'm going to just shoot open threes. And he still misses them, but at least they're, like, the, the shot selection makes sense. With Chris, it's like, I don't care. You can take any shot on the floor. If we need you to take a shot, you need to take the shot. And he has done that, and that's probably going to help with, you know, getting at least streaky because that's just how his game is. He's going to have moments where he's going to not hit anything, and then all you need is two minutes of him just going off like he does, like he did against Atlanta. And this one is kind of more of a, you just got to match ba Booker basket for basket. And he did that in game five as well. Just match them basket for basket. You can go on. You, can, you just got to keep Milwaukee in this. 
and that was what he did was kept Milwaukee in that game when they needed him to. So good on you, Chris. One more game of doing that, and it's a game six. So just repeat your game six uh, heroics like you have the last two rounds. But anything else from game four that we need to talk about? Now off the top of my head, I'm sure something else will come up. It, it, there's some wider trends between the Suns and the Bucks that we can talk about, but like three-point shooting, things like that. But that's going to – we can incorporate that with the game five talk too. Yeah, I think there's going to be – there is one point, but I think we're going to save that for game five, which we saw last night. What a game. Bucks win 123-119. And they go into Phoenix – Money Man is going to get jumped or should have gotten jumped. <laughs> we, okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> what of? Okay, that is a bum. Mm-hmm. He is a complete <laughs> bum. You, you saw him and you immediately knew what the situation was. You needed 1.5 seconds to assess and identify the situation, which is a world record, some might say. <laughs> like, you can't, like, this dude is over here counting $100 bills, like, looking at the camera, looking like he's, like, this tough dude. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I, and maybe this is a representation of Phoenix, the city, but I'm, I'm just saying that was a Pfizer forum. He's getting jumped. Mm-hmm. If he's in any other place, he's getting jumped because that is a good thousand dollars of cash. He just got flashing over there. And unless mm-hmm. he's got like some kind of shank or a gun on him and he somehow snuck it past like security. Nah, you, you should have been jumped. Someone should have tried to take that money from you in the arena. Like, I don't care unless they're fake bills. Either way, that is a bumish activity. And I'm disappointed in the Phoenix crowd for not trying to take that man's money. I'm disappointed in the Phoenix crowd. Uh, I think based on this playoff run, we found out what Suns fans are made of, and it's not a whole lot of substance. It's a lot of fighting each other, being drunk and fighting each other, and like jumping other fans in cowardly ways at your (laughs) arena or whatever. So not a great run for Suns fans. I think everybody's like, wow, these guys really suck. And Suns $100 bill guy was... Now, I like the fold of him having fake money, that's a good fold. We get to the end and it's actually fake dollar bills after all. The thing about, it's not even just Sun's $100 bill guy, uh, which we have to figure out some sort of agreed upon terminology for this gentleman. We have time. It's the fact that every Giannis free throw attempt, it's ESPN ABC, shame on you. The screen goes 25% Giannis at the line, 75%. I didn't know we had cameras with this good of like picture <laughs> quality. It's 12K, the fans, I mean, just awful fans, the worst people ever doing the counting thing. Every single free throw attempt. What are we doing? How many times do I have to see these bums, a sea of them, a sea of bums, and they're just counting? It's, (laughs) look, when it first started happening against Miami, I was like, oh, that's funny. That's, That's a nice little fold. Now everybody's leaning way too hard into it. And it's fitting that, I don't know, what did Giannis go? He only goes 4 of 11 uh, from the free throw line in game five. I think he went like 14. Uh, here, he did pretty see. well in game three. And I think he, he's done, he's shot like 60 something percent overall this series. It's like pretty, on, it's on par, but like at, at moments when we need him to hit free throws, he's hit just enough to keep us ahead, which is what matters. But I'm so, <laughs> so tired of the, if you want to go to the crowd every once in a while, okay, fine. Like the first time it happens. After that, I get it. I don't need to see the like unshaved, unwashed masses in Phoenix counting. 
I don't need to see that throughout the game. So I, <laughs> there's a lot about game five, but you're right that Suns hundred dollar bill guy and the fans in general, definitely something to talk about. Yeah. they Again, you should be getting jumped. I don't care if those bills are fake. Like you should still like someone should still assume they're real and get you for that. But it's like this guy didn't watch any of the footage of Suns fans wailing on other Suns fans in right. the past month and a half. Like, what are you doing, guy? Like Come I on. said, he must have something on him to be like, oh, I'm good. Like, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so back to Bucks winning, 123-119. Mm-hmm. Giannis, 32 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. Um, no turnovers for him. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Chris, 29 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 12 of 23 from the floor, 3 of 8 from 3. Drew, 27 points, 4 rebounds, 13 assists. This was really a bounce-back game, the Drew Holiday game um, for him. Obviously, we'll talk about the play that he made later on. Chris Ball, a little bit better, 21 points, 11 assists. You know, it was a better performance for him. Devin Booker, once again, not being, like, hitting shots, 40 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. DeAndre Aiden, 20 points for 10 rebounds. So he had an okay game as well, but... The Bucks were down 16 after the first quarter. And by halftime, they were winning by three. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got to talk about that. That first quarter, what was your thought that was going? What was the thoughts that were going through your head? My thoughts were, oh my God, this is a lot of Jeff Teague minutes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was a little worried because it seemed like the refs were calling things against us super tight. I mean, like, BS, stop, start, fouls. Like Chris Paul just falls over, so they called Drew for a foul. So Drew gets an early two personal fouls. Pull him right away because it was only like four or five minutes into the game. And from there, look, I appreciate why Jeff Teague has to play, and I appreciate that 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 was extraordinary circumstances asking him to play even more. But it was some awful basketball he was doing out there, which went a long way to making Phoenix's life a lot easier. And part of it is... Uh, Jay Crowder looked like he was going to be unconscious again from like the three point line. Uh, Jeff does not defend well. He should not be doing dribble moves by himself to break a guy down in the NBA finals in 2021. There's a lot of mistakes. So I was nervous, but I felt like, okay, you bring Drew back in. This team has responded to adversity a whole bunch. If Phoenix cools off even a little tiny bit, then we're going to be okay. And yes, it'll take a while. It's going to suck that we have to like hammer away at Phoenix for the next whatever. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then we shoot 70% from the floor and 66% from three, uh, thanks to a lot of the role guys and Monty Williams. He's cool. with just watching the Suns just lose a 16 point lead. I think the Bucks went on a 15 point run or something. And Monty never called a timeout during that whole time, which again, small stuff, Mike Budenholzer has called timely timeouts most of the playoffs. Right there probably wouldn't have been a good time for Phoenix to call a timeout because they go from shooting like over 80% in the first quarter to 35% in the second quarter, and they make two threes. That's not going to be good enough if the other team is – and Pat does like the pass fake and then hits the three. Like, it, was, it was really – what it was was the Pat Connaughton Bobby Portis quarter. It was, it was awesome to watch. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I was kind of actually not too concerned because I was thinking to myself, okay, Phoenix is shooting 74%, including five and six for three. <laughs> okay, Jeff Teague has played a lot because Drew Holiday is in foul trouble. The Bucks have turned the ball over a lot. I think they turned the ball over like five times in the first quarter. It was just like everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and then they're a down 16. I'm just thinking, like, it's not that bad. 
And maybe it's just because, like, I'm just so conditioned <laughs> with this Bucks team to always just start off very poorly that I'm just like, yeah, it's not that bad. 16 is, yeah, obviously you don't want to be down 16 after the first quarter, but you can chip away at that. At least it's in the first quarter, not like the third quarter that Phoenix has this, because that would have been, that would have been awful if, like, the, if it was switched. They, they've gotten themselves out of so many jams on this run that, yeah, I had the same thing as, like, first quarter that wasn't ideal, but they've played themselves out of so many tight spots. I was like, I wasn't too, too worried. 16 points, if you can get it down to, like, under 10 by the half, not the end of the world whatsoever. Right, and all of a sudden they're, like, down 8. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then they tied, and I was like, oh, <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> all right, we're good. Yeah, probably should have called the timeout at some point, but it was... I mean, I, I did tweet that all the Bud with the great adjustment of just mimicking the Phoenix Suns first quarter strategy of hitting every shot. And that's what you need, though. You got to have that. I think it was what they shot. Yeah, Bucks were 70%, six and nine from three. Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis were kind of doing the main part of it. And it was just like they got good looks and they just kept hitting shots. It was kind of like, a, all right, you're just going to shoot this open three. Yeah, that works. You're going to have a corner three. Okay. Phoenix is going to eventually start missing shots and you kind of just sit there and it's like, all right, this is, this is what you needed. I didn't expect them to take the lead going into halftime, but I figured, yeah, just get it to like seven or eight by halftime and you're at least in a good position. But all, and the thing is, I think the most startling thing is Giannis was on the bench when this whole run happens. Like Giannis Mm -hmm. is sitting on the bench and eventually just like waiting to check in and he's just waiting and the Bucks just keep doing it. And I, I don't know. At that point, like how I don't know how you come back from that if you're Phoenix, and obviously like the Bucks then used that to even go on a further run in the third quarter. But I I, I feel like that was like if the Bucks do end up winning this series, I feel like pretty much the second half of the fourth quarter and the whole second quarter are going to be where Phoenix has to look and be like, this is where everything went wrong. Yeah, yeah, we at least had our meltdown in the semi or not the quarterfinals in the second round again. Then that's where we dropped game five in hilarious fashion. Uh, so at least the stakes were a little bit lower in that regard. We definitely did not haven't had that sort of situation in the finals just yet. Uh, I joked that it was the Pat and Bobby quarter, which is true. I mean, they did so they hit some threes. The Pat pass fake into the three. That's when he knew it was like we're going to win the title for sure. Uh, but Drew Holiday should get the bulk of the credit there because he goes six seven from the floor, two of three from three in a series in a playoffs where, for the most part, I have expected him to just miss every shot. He did not miss every shot, and then he also deals out an extra five assists on top of that. I think he got like PJ in the corner for one of them. He was getting he it was a lot of like him and Bobby like driving kicking out to Bobby, uh, the great defense like whatever you wanted and the ability to stay in front of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, whoever it happens to be to once their floaters start like going off over and over the bucks fighting for rebounds, everything started flowing in their direction, start hitting a couple of baskets, get on a run. They were running the floor super hard. There were so many times where Phoenix's defense was not even halfway set by the time the bucks were starting to attack. And it's like, if that's going to be the case and they're not going to run down the other end of the court to try and fight it, it's going to be game over for you. So you have to execute when you have that opportunity. You have to make the shots. And through a lot of the postseason, there have been times where Drew has not hit the shots in the second quarter and throughout all of game five, he hit the shots. 
Yeah, it's he had a bounce back game. Like it, it was looking pretty rough at the end of the first quarter where he missed like two like layups in a row. I was like, oh no, <laughs> we're having Not this again. again. This again. Yep. Yeah. And then he just this was when we think about the trade to get Drew. This is why you have him because even when things weren't going perfectly his way, he was still able to set up his teammates. So when he his shot wasn't falling, he was still trying to find other ways to get people involved. And this time. He was just getting the layups. He was getting the three pointers. You just let him run with it. This is also why I'm like, you should be the. This is why you need to be the primary ball handler in the playoffs. I get that there's no, and you have, with considering the guard depth with no Dante, which I'm going to say right now, everyone's complaining about Dante and how bad he is and how. But you know what? I'd rather take Dante than Jeff Teague minutes. Okay, but it's just, true. You're right. You're right. That's Granted, true. Dante being hurt allowed PJ Tucker to start, and that you know, there's other things that help out. But in mm-hmm. this in this moment, this is when it was like, damn, Dante would have helped out a lot yeah. just by getting out of the way. <laughs> I, I think uh, so. Second quarter aside, uh, the whole rest of the second episode, like you said, the Bucks then come out of half. They are probably feeling pretty good because they just reversed a, <laughs> a 16 point deficit and they drop another 19 on, or plus 19, 43 total in the second quarter. They drop another 36 in the third quarter. And it felt like a lot of it was very similar. You moved the names around a little bit because it was a lot of the starters in the third quarter, obviously, but the offense was just like flowing again. There was no real, I don't know, nothing all that different besides just making a lot of like some tough shots, but for the most part, Offense is going pretty well. Uh, and then the fourth quarter comes around and it bogs down a little bit. But what matters most is when things bog down and the other team is doing hero ball, you just got to survive. You got to get one more point than the other team when they're going hero ball. And through some heroics to close the game, uh, they did indeed do that. I, I We can talk about the steal and the lob in a moment, but... What set all that up was P.J. Tucker had some foul trouble. I think he ended up having five personal fouls on the evening. As usual, a lot of them seemed like total BS to me, but that's neither here nor there. Drew gets switched on to Devin Booker. He's like, okay, I he has to be the defensive assignment because everything is going through Booker and we need somebody to stop him. The discipline to stay in front of Booker, and this is a credit not just to Drew but to the entire team of Drew's going to stay in front of him. He's going to contest. If we have the center down low, whether it be Bobby or whether it be Brooke, be ready to shade to kind of help out. But everybody else, stay home. Because Devin Booker is not a playmaker like at a very high level. Yes, he can pass pretty well, but he is not like a Chris Paul-level playmaker. And for whatever reason, Phoenix's offense just wins. Devin Booker is going to save the day, or he is not going to save the day. And the guys who are out on the perimeter, they stay home. And that final possession, not the final possession, but the meaningful possession with the, with the strip and the lob is everybody knows one point game. Phoenix has slowly worked their way back into it. Milwaukee cannot buy a bucket in a set offense for their lives. And Devin Booker drives in. Everybody knows. I think PJ Tucker overcorrects a little bit. And there's a slight second there where Devin Booker looks like he could get a shot up. He keeps driving. He picks up his dribble because the Bucks triple team him. They stay home and they tripled because Phoenix is not doing any spacing at all. Literally, everybody is like two feet Which away from because Devin. Like, all the players on the floor are like good three-point shooters and like Chris Paul. It's like, yeah, and who who can hit a shot? Like, you would think, yeah. okay, 
there should be more spacing there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just really bad positioning for everybody off ball. Drew, he just leaves Chris Paul. He turns. Devin Booker turns. He like looks up. He has the ball. And Drew just goes in. He's like, that's my ball now. <laughs> so I thought so much of the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter was, yes, the offense in the third quarter. But when the defense got tight, we needed the defense to come through. Drew Holiday was a huge part in keeping Booker in front of him. Keep as contained as you could, as good of a shot maker as Booker is. And then that final steal and the lob descended home, essentially. Amazing. Amazing. I honestly was worried after the third quarter. I was like, okay, cool. You're winning. You've, you're shooting the ball really, really well. I think at one point they're like at 65%. I was like, this is not going to continue. So what happens if the shots don't fall? Like what's going to happen? Can you hold on? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. I just laugh at the steal because it was just one of those where it's like, Watching in slow motion, you just look and you see Devin Booker just turn and Drew's right there. And he just has a look on his face like, oh, shit. <laughs> and Drew takes it. And as soon as he gets it, Giannis is like, oh, shit. I need to get ready. He's running down the floor. And you can kind of see Chris in the corner. And like, I don't think Chris realized what had happened. <laughs> because mm -hmm. all of a sudden, Chris is turning. He's like, oh. And then as the as – the, I was like, okay, cool. You got your stop. Great. Just dribble it out. Find Chris. Get in the ball. Like, he'll shoot free throws. Awesome. Then the fucking audacity to throw mm. that lob, which I – that is the ultimate no, 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 yes moment. Mm -hmm. The audacity to throw the lob and Giannis gets it and dunks it because I'm just – like this team does a lot of dumb turnovers. And this was mm – -hmm. if that lob was any more off – it would have been a, one of the dumbest turnovers. <laughs> when it when it left Drew's hands, I was like, that's going so far out of bounds. I can't believe this just happened right now. <laughs> I was so convinced. And then Giannis grabs it and slams it all. I was like, oh, thank God. Because, yes, when, when it left Drew's hands, I was like, he overthrew that by so much. <laughs> I was just thinking, what the actual F are you doing? Like, there are 13 seconds just dribble it out and yet it were and i mean that was like end the moment and then Giannis gets it and slams i was like oh okay and then i just screamed and woke up the baby and he was not happy with that after and then i didn't realize that it was a foul as well me neither yeah <laughs> so me neither. i was like why is everybody stopping i thought like phoenix called a timeout i was like why is everyone stopping like oh okay chris paul did some dirty shit all right yeah. cool i'm glad you guys at least called him for the foul on that but it was it was so funny like <laughs> You're 100% right. The Bucks, I couldn't shake the fact that they're the Bucks. They get in the three-on-one. I mean, what a momentum shift. Drew strips it. It's literally the only guy in front of them is Chris Paul, and they have Drew Holiday, who's like a foot taller than him, and Giannis, who is two to three feet taller than him. I'm like, they're going to mess this up somehow. And he goes with the lob. And I'm like, oh, God, no. And yet it all works out. At the end of the day, probably could have done something a little bit easier on yourselves, but it looks way cooler. It's one of those things where, like, if you pull it off, you look super cool if you do it. And the Bucks look super cool slamming home an alley-oop to, like, essentially close the game out. Oh, yeah. No, this is one of those where it's like, I will completely forget that I was in the moment thinking, what are you doing? And I'm just going to be like, oh, that was – I'm just going to talk about, like, that was dope. Like, mm -hmm. you get the screenshot. Like, you got the still, like, LeBron in the background. Watch it happen. Adele is screaming, like, all pumped, which I don't know, like <laughs> – Shout out to Adele, but where the hell is the album, first of all? Like, you got Adele, like, getting hyped, and then Giannis gets the slam. He just turns and looks at the camera, just has this look, just the stare down. It, like, all of these things are what I'm going to remember, and it was that, – that, that, that felt like a – they're going to pull this off. They, they can pull this off moment. Like, yeah. that was 
huge. I mean, they still had to like Giannis had to make try and make the free throw, and then he didn't. It's like he still didn't end. <laughs> like there's still like I felt like the game was over right then and there. Like I felt like it's done. I'm like, oh no, there's still nine seconds mm-hmm, left, and I mm-hmm. still am like so, and I did not realize it. It's like they just won him. They after everything that happened in game four, where they find a way to win, find a way to come back, and then in game five, where you have that first quarter, but after that, you are in full control. And you make like you're just making the plays that you need to make. It is, I, I again, I was kind of shocked. I was just like, oh, they won the game, and I was like, no, there's still nine seconds, Kyle. Like you, you still need to get a stop. And I was like, crap, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they did it. Shout out to the Bucks. Thank you, Drew Holiday. I mean, this is the second straight game that Drew and Giannis have kind of like combined to make big defensive plays. Because like in Game Four, you have the block, but then right after that you have like Giannis like kind of in front of Chris Paul and Drew kind of coming from behind and stealing it as well. So these are, this is now two games that these two have produced moments and I'm enjoying it. And what a reckless trade that is. I'm enjoying it as well. It's the difference between it's, it feels super overwrought to keep like doing the Eric Bledsoe comparison, but it's again, it's the only example we have to go off of with this team in its current iteration. The difference between Drew and Eric in the fact that Drew, he keeps hammering away. So many times where I'm like, please stop calling your own shot. Stop calling your own number where he's, and it still feels like probably there would be times where he goes 420 from the floor. It's like, Drew, please stop calling your own shot. And yet the presence of mind to make defensive plays like that, I'm not sure how many times I could have trusted Eric to have the sound of mine. I mean, we wouldn't be in the finals, obviously, but in a similar situation for Eric to read turn, he knows there's no spacing for Booker. So he just grabs the ball out of his hands. And then to know, to run the open court and find Giannis ballsy as all hell, it could have gone way worse than it did. But Drew's ability to be so defensively sound, and that's where he's putting a ton of his effort. And in this, in games like game five, where then he has a great offensive outburst on the other end as well, I can't remember a ton of like pressure games where Eric did that. That's just the truth. Like the pressure went up and Eric did not necessarily perform at that level. And there's so much more about the calmness, the poise, the ability to like attack off the dribble or just step back and do a three and relatively confidently do that. The defense of he's able to switch a whole bunch. Drew is the key that unlocks the switching defense, which I think has been critical to keeping Phoenix tied up. And it's just so much about Drew Holiday's presence that makes this team so much better. And I'm just happy that we're proving it. It, it, The fact that he's out there providing the defensive anchor helps give the rest of the team a baseline of like production baseline of being you're this good at least, and then work up from there. Again, we've been in so many jams. The reason why we're getting out of the jams is the quality of the play from Drew especially, but then also Giannis has stepped his game up big time in the finals. There have been so many years in the past, the playoffs is like, oh, Giannis, he runs into dudes, he gets called for a million charges, he turns it over a whole bunch, he can't pass, all these sorts of things. That has not been the case in the NBA finals. This dude splits his knee backwards, and less than two weeks later, he's putting up 40 points, 35 points, lobs, blocks, whatever you need, his game is translated in a big way. Drew has been great when on the defensive end and at times on offense, like game five, Chris has hit the tough shots. It just feels like everything happens to be going Milwaukee's way when we needed it most. And I'm just so happy that this is the case. It's not done yet, but through 
these games three, four, and five look pretty good, all things considered. This looks like proof of concept brought at the highest level possible. Yeah, it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, you at least now have two chances at most to try and win this game. Obviously, win it at home in game six would be huge, but what the Bucks are simply doing is making the smarter decisions on offense. And I think that's kind of been why they've been able to dig themselves out of the hole and continue holding on when Phoenix goes into hero balls. Like, you just got to make the right choice. Sometimes you make a bad turnover. Sometimes, you know, you try and take a mid-range shot that maybe is not ideal, but at least you're overall, you're making the right decision on offense. And I think that's kind of been the biggest thing between this year and last year. It's just like the team's IQ, while still at times very faulty, overall, it just seems like at times when you need them to, they have made the right decisions. And I don't think you could say that last year, and maybe you could say that in 2019, but this year it feels as though, most it's at least 50 50 now that you're going to make the right choice before it was kind of like okay there's like 20 percent chance you're gonna make the right choice and i think that's kind of huge and i i before we head out we should probably mention pat Connaughton. a hell of a series for him like hell of a mm-hmm. game for him as well but i'm gonna he, go I, you talk about that i'm gonna pull up his his averages in the finals his total throughout the whatever five games so far in the final but you you I apologize for being so, so wrong about Pat content, but man, he has made the plays that he needs. And that's kind of why Bud's been allowed to just let Bob, not Bobby, let PJ run with all the fouls. Because if he gets some foul trouble, okay, fine. You just take him out and you put Pat content in. And Pat content has been astounding, especially shooting the ball from three. It seems like when the Bucks need a timely three, Pat content has been there making it every time. He has been the only role player who has had a no doubt trigger on a three, like no problem. Bobby, so many times he gets the ball. I I don't fault him too much, but like he'll get it. He'll do a pump fake and then drive and choose a worse shot. Pat Connaughton, every time he gets out from three, he's taken it. So far, five games in the finals, he's averaging 31.4 minutes played a game, an extremely high amount for a role player. His shooting splits are 52.8% from the floor overall, 50% from three, and he's made every free throw he's taken so far. And he's averaging 11 points, 5.4 rebounds, and 1.2 assists in those games. Like, less than half of a turnover a game, all these sorts of things. He's just been massive. He's been massive. And the fact that, uh, like you said, PJ is able to go out there and he is the catch-all, do-it-all, off-the-bench guy. He has done excellent for his role, defending Devin Booker if he gets switched on, defending Chris Paul, staying home, staying disciplined down on the ground. Like it could have gone so much worse. And he's been playing on such a tear throughout the playoffs and in the finals, especially uh, it's a big reason why the Bucks are able to do essentially a seven man rotation in game five and be okay. They can get the necessary minutes from path to spell, you know, Jeff or, or uh, not Jeff. <laughs> they don't need, they don't need to spell Jeff. They, they, dispel they Drew, Drew for a couple of minutes. Um, or like if Chris needs to go, like you said, PJ Tucker goes out. The options that he allows having a decent like guard depth, the only guard depth we have really, and to be pretty good in those minutes, it's huge. Yeah, it's it's been spectacular watching. I mean, for how much crap he got at the beginning of the season and when he got his contract and how he has performed since then. It is commendable, and I'm glad that he is playing well. So last thing I'm going to mention, uh, Suns. 7-23 from 3 in Game 4, so that was not great. But then 13-19 of 19 in Game 5, and you still lose. And part of that is because Devin Booker, there's a stat with his uh, potential assists. 
it goes 16 in game one, 12 in game two, five, five, four. So I don't know. That That's kind of the weirdest part about that is Phoenix was shooting lights out. And yet it still feels like because Devin Booker has been on a hot streak shooting mid range, they're just kind of like, okay, we're going to stop shooting threes now. Yeah. It's been very odd to watch because game one and game two, whether it be Booker or literally anybody else in Phoenix, the number of times that Milwaukee's defense looked totally busted because Phoenix was able to drive and just start whipping the ball around in the form of a team offense was super high. And then for whatever reason, uh, I can understand game three because it's your road game, et cetera. You know, it's a little bit harder. And he, to was bad out, and he did not play well and barely. He did not play well. Um, so there was that. But game four and game five. Game four, he's the hot hand. Okay. Game five, they just fell into the trap again. And I think it's hard once you get into a certain flow of, well, this guy is on. So let him do a lot of creating. Devin Booker is an amazing shot maker. Some of these shots that go and I'm like, <laughs> can you even do about these so i respect him in that regard but once those shots either stop falling or he needs to be asked to like create for somebody else or try and get somebody else involved the only time a phoenix sun not named devin booker gets involved in essentially almost all of quarter two three and four of game five is to reset the ball and get it back to devin booker for another drive that was it and that's reflected in the just 19 threes that phoenix takes uh, and that's reflected in the fact that when the game is on the line, the only options they have is Devin Booker gets a shot up and hopefully DeAndre Aiden, if it goes off, can like get the rebound and put it back up. That was pretty much it for the most part. Like Jay Crowder looks hot as hell in the first quarter and he barely touches the ball the entire rest of the game. That's a player issue. That's Devin Booker deciding to do a lot of hero ball and he's good at it. Uh, but that's also another reflection on Monty of like, hey man, you got to find a way to get other guys involved. Yes, I understand it's easy to go with the guy who's making a lot of garbage jumpers, but the Suns should have seen against the Nets and against the Hawks. Once that first option goes away, and if Milwaukee stays disciplined, stays home, you're going to be taken out water really quickly because we're not an excellent offensive team, but we have enough talent to at least keep out in front, and we can generally survive a gut punch from a hero ball guy. And I'm not sure what... Monty or uh, Devin Booker's like adjustment in game six is going to be it's tough when you're like this deep on one guy just taking all the shots to then switch off of that so I'm curious what they do but that goes a long way to explaining of like Devin Booker is not a creator in the first place and when he's just looking for his only his shot only is double down and we've done an excellent job of surviving that and not overreacting to that so that's a credit to the team and Mike Budenholzer as well for staying home on that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely, because it seems like Phoenix always gets going in the first quarter with, the, like, Jay Crowder and McCall Bridges just get going, hitting threes in the first quarter every time. And then once it gets to the second half, it's kind of like, okay, then it's starting to get to that hero ball, which happens in the playoffs in general. Like, I think in the mm-hmm. regular season, this wouldn't happen. And in the playoffs, it's a different story. And, you know, this is Milwaukee, I think, is because of Kevin Durant. They're kind of like, we survived that. We can survive this. I I think that's honestly what Milwaukee's thinking is if we can survive a Kevin Durant hero ball moment, I think we can we can handle Trey Young and mm-hmm. we can handle Devin Booker because neither of those are Kevin Durant. So if we can get through mm-hmm. that, we're good. So yeah, I think Kevin Durant is seven feet tall and making all those jumpers. That's kind of hard to defend. Devin Booker and Trey Young, a little bit shorter in stature, you'd be like, well, at least 
you know, Drew can stay in front of him for the most part. That, sh- that shouldn't be as much of an issue. It's not a Drew gets thrown out on him. I was like, oh, that might be an automatic bucket. It's yeah. not. Not at all. Not whatsoever. Yeah. But any last thoughts on game five? Um... <sighs> it's just awesome. They needed big. It's every game so far in the finals has been the biggest game in franchise history. Uh, that game <laughs> feels Game six will probably match it depending how it goes, but you needed to take one on the road at some point. And Milwaukee had all the momentum. It's curious the uh, 2-2-1-1-1 format for the playoffs. If if that second team, the game three and four, if you're able to take the momentum in those games, you know there is something about going on the road again, but Milwaukee had the momentum going in. It looked like they dropped it in the first quarter and then they just came roaring back. So... I've been super impressed by the team. Every single time things look dire, they find a way to get out of it. And in order to be a winning team, you have to just find ugly ways to win. And we have done that time and time and time again. Uh, and we'll see if they do it for game six. Do you have any game six predictions? I'm not making a game six up? prediction. <laughs> I'm no, I'll, all I'm going to say about game six is I think if the Bucks could get out to a fast enough start, they should sit pretty. I think with the, cra- the crowd, uh-huh. if yeah. they can feed off that crowd energy and get off to a fast start or have a – they just need a quarter where they just blow everything open. If they can do that, they'll be okay. Yeah, I agree. The uh, The crowd, I think, is going to be insane. Uh, it's a dream to have a title-clinching possibility at home. Uh, <laughs> Even more than it's in six. <laughs> this, in six, it makes it so sweet, you know – if you lose game five, you're like, well, we still have another home game. How much sweeter to then you rattle off three wins? I'm not saying Phoenix is cracking under the pressure, but like the post game quotes from Phoenix haven't exactly been like uh, <laughs> the most enlightening or like confidence building for them. Uh, so you go into game six, you have the <laughs> insane crowds throughout the entire city. Uh, it, it just feels everything's lining up. I, t- I'm not sure. I'm not going to make a prediction. I hope that I get to see you and Adam on the night uh, on Tuesday night, and we'll be able to record with good things to record about. Um, but yeah, I, it you know this is a dream. It's it's a dream to be uh, one game away from winning the NBA Finals. So uh, I feel like it's the first game where it's like, okay, now you're in the driver's seat. This is great. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's absolutely the case. This is the first time in the finals uh, they've had times where they've fallen back into tough odds this time the odds are totally in their favor that has not proven always to be the best thing for the bucks in the past and it's wisconsin sports all that sort of stuff but it feels sustainable and i'm hoping it's sustainable for tuesday night yep we're gonna hope that tuesday is a bucks win in game six and if that happens milwaukee might not exist as a city but it will <laughs> that's what we're hoping um but regardless we will check in with you guys at some point next week whether it's after game six or after game seven We'll let you know, but thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and follow us on brewhoop.com. Go Bucks. Go win. Go Bucks. Just win the damn thing. (laughs) Just win the damn thing. We'll talk to you guys soon.